We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KCSN. It's the headlines, rumors, stories, and stats people are talking about to get you through the day and caught up with all things Chiefs. Different guests each week with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, proudly presented by DraftKings, begins now. Hello and welcome into today's episode of KCSN Update presented by DraftKings. It's your daily Chiefs video and podcast from us here at KC Sports Network. I'm Tucker Franklin. Today I've got a wonderful guest. You guys know him as at JB Briscoe on Twitter. It's Joshua Briscoe from Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. He is going to be with us talking a little big picture stuff, a little small picture stuff. And we're going to be looking at the NFL playoffs with the Chiefs game coming right up on Saturday. Saturday kickoff. Uh, usually like that for college football, but I guess I'll take about my NFL Sundays on Saturday as well. But before we get to Joshua, I've got to tell you about our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook and the NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57 and for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. I love the same-game parlays. I dabble in them probably too frequently. DraftKings loves me playing the same-game parlays because I love those boosts, too. Those boosts are so enticing, and their app makes it so easy to get in on those same-game parlays and those winnings. So here's what you got to do. you got to download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, Joshua. Welcome back. Tucker, thank you for having me back again. KCSN update. Yes. No, it's it's great. I'm glad we got you on for the playoffs. Got you gearing up, um, as you may know. As well as Sports Radio 810, Josh is one third of the Times Hours podcast. Who we uh, we basically have the Times Hours podcast on KCS and Update. If you, yeah, uh, Nate Taylor every week, um, Nate or yeah, I think you've been on a little bit more than Seth, but Seth comes on as well. Uh, you guys might be tied for episodes now. Yeah, I'd like to extend my season. lead 
if possible. Hmm. Uh, but if we're being honest, I'm like 25% of times ours because I think Nate's probably <laughs> half of it. And then Seth and I might each get a quarter. Uh, but that's, that's fair. We're not complaining. I, I'm, I am very happy with the way those things have, uh, have played out. You, you mentioning this as a Saturday game has brought something else to my attention here that I have forgotten about. I knew this going into uh, Jags Chargers. Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday. He hasn't. In his entire football playing career. That's the part of this matchup that scares me the most, I think. is It's not the Chiefs versus the Jags. It's not the Chiefs, you know, offensive line against Josh Allen coming after Patrick Mahomes. It's really the Chiefs versus Saturday. Because it seems like they've been conspiring as a day of the week to keep Trevor Lawrence never losing a football game. That's actually that. that's actually an insane an insane stat. Because like when you think about the games he lost, I think were only in the national championship, and those are played on Monday nights. There was like um, a weird. We looked this up on the show. There was like a weird uh, weekday game in there outside of the national championship. I mentioned the bowl hmm. game that they they ended up losing uh, in the non title. It doesn't matter. It's it is an outrageous stat. It's insane. You could they don't play high school games. Well, they do sometimes play high school games on Saturday, but I think Trevor Lawrence was at like an, an insane high school powerhouse and he didn't lose in high school. I think that is also the conclusion that we came to. I believe he just didn't lose in high school. Yeah. Um, Must be nice. Because as as what I think Brett Coleman or no, it was uh, Matt Miller said this earlier on KCS and update on Monday. Trevor Lawrence was basically tapped from the minute he went to Clemson that like, oh, this guy's this guy's the next thing. Like he's like the mm-hmm. next Peyton Manning, he's the next Tom Brady. The moment he was at Clemson, because remember this, Mizzou fans remember this one, Kelly Bryant, um, former Missouri Tigers quarterback, previous uh, Clemson quarterback, did lead them to a national championship, by the way, but then was been benched for uh, Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, Dabo Sweeney did not give uh, Kelly Bryant his national championship ring because he transferred. Um, I don't know if you know that. Uh, I did not sure get... did it. That's that really, I'll just say Dabo. this. That's yep. I just will without actually revealing my general feelings about the fella, I'll say that that sounds within his character. So it does indeed. That's um, special. It's special indeed. Like I like that program of Clemson, just special. Certainly um, special. It is. But I'm very interested about this Jaguars team, Josh. We we got yeah. to have a, a glimpse at him at week 10. But that's not the same football team that took the field last Saturday against the Los Angeles football chargers. Mm-hmm. Um that's a very different team. And really, I think since then the Jags went like seven and one or one, six and one, something like that. Like they only lost one game since they lost to the chiefs. Pretty wild. Uh, what are your general feelings kind of about this, this matchup about the Jaguars kind of coming into this game? It it was a funny thing to watch chargers Jags. Obviously it's the Jags most recent game and our most recent memory of them, but it, it was, it was funny to watch Jags chargers. And in the second half, as it felt like the tide was turning, which is earlier than we ever would have done this if their opponent was anyone other than the Chargers. (laughs) But because they were playing the Chargers, there was that little feeling of like pretty early in the second half. Oh God, are they going to, are the Chargers going to charger here? And they did, but it wasn't just the Chargers chargering. It was also the Jags feeling like a team that has a gear that most teams don't have, which I think is the ability to be the hunter. They were the hunter in the second half. It wasn't like, let's just hang around and maybe they'll make some mistakes. We can get back into it. Or we'll just play some okay football, pack it in, try to get to the fourth quarter, and we'll see if Trevor Lawrence can do something crazy. That game was a disaster. They had to put it in overdrive. And then they overdrove it all the way straight past the Chargers again. And so to see a team that has that capability, 
not to like sideswipe the Giants, who I think have the coach of the year and a really mm-hmm. great story and a great nucleus. I've, I've been raving about how the Giants did all of this. But if the Giants end up down big at halftime against a real football team, um, I, I don't think that they've got this come from behind. All of a sudden you hear the engine revving. And frankly, I don't, I don't know how many teams really do in the AFC and the league altogether. Yeah. That's a very difficult thing to say. We can erase a deficit and make you nervous when you're up by 10 or 14 or if you're the Chargers 21, I think. <laughs> Every step of that along the way in the second half, it felt like the Jags were coming. And for that to be on the table in this game, for the Chiefs to have an opponent who would just show that they can do that, I think it's fascinating. I think the Chiefs will be ready for it, but it, it made me respect the, the Jags in a different way than I had come, going into that game because I don't think I'd seen quite that gear from them yet. What's really impressive what Doug Peterson has done there, you talk about coach of the year candidates. I mean, there's a lot of them. Dan Campbell, one of them, doing, being what he was able to do. I think he even said on the Monday night game that he's like, I, he's like, I don't think that I deserve a coach of the year. He said he deserved due to the year, which I would agree with that. Um, uh, he, Brian Dable, I think, is probably going to win that, especially winning a playoff game. Doug Peterson taking the team that they did weren't the were they the number one pick last year or the number two pick or no because I think didn't they fall themselves into a win once they got the worst head coach oh, in modern yeah. sports history out of there I'll double check I uh, no no they did have a number one pick no, no of course they did uh, so they would and Aiden Hutchinson went two and no they did end up with number one pick Urban Meyer <laughs> Urban Meyer did a masterful thing for the Jags That's organization. Right which is giving you the number one pick, having it used on a player that isn't necessarily who everyone expected there um, in in, uh, uh, Trayvon Walker. But uh, Urban Meyer just doused it in all in gas, lit a a match, got thrown out, and then the Jags got a nice draft slot, and Dougie P turned it all around. As a playoff team, winning a playoff game, winning the division, like that's – that's something like that's, that's, a, real, that's yeah, a, it's a real accomplishment. Yeah. That's absolutely. a real co- shout out. Doug Peterson. I always thought uh, it was, I can't remember what it was. I think it was Doug Peterson was like kneeling the game out to like kind of tank in Philly or something like that. Something happened in Philly mm-hmm. that soured him. Like it was something like that where mm-hmm. like he was clearly trying not to win games. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of lost the locker room in that circumstance. And after he got fired, you knew he was going to land somewhere else. Right. Um, but when that hiring for Jacksonville was one of those, where I was like, Oh, this might, like this might be something for Jacksonville. I th- thought that he was going to be good for Trevor Lawrence. We've seen Trevor Lawrence take step after step. He's been, I think sometimes the, the game manager connotation is bad is in yeah. a negative sense, but I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call Trevor Lawrence a game manager, but in that game against the chargers, he was able to manage that game so they could come back. If right. that makes sense. I'm not yeah, calling absolutely. him a game manager, but he was able to do things like get the ball to Zay Jones, like get the ball to Evan Ingram, get the ball to Christian Kirk, who they paid a billion dollars to those guys combined this off season. And it worked. Like, like we, we make fun of them. They, we make yep. fun of them for spending that much money. And it worked. The Jaguars have a TikTok on their account right now. That's pinned to the top of somebody like the Jaguars are doing all of this stuff. They spent so much money on these guys and they're, they're making fun of this guy, which is perfect. Yeah. Every team should do that. No team yeah. teams should not have any filters. Um, on social media, I agree that I think that's Chargers should probably it. develop one just because it's like it's like they are setting us up to dunk on them again in a week. Yeah, because when the Chargers do it, it's shortly followed by an outrageous collapse, and then they just get more TikTok content for next year. I guess. 
That's true. Uh, June champions, the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, they always win June and win the off season. So, um, I, but I'm the record. I feel like I always like what the Chargers do in an off season, and then it just correct. never comes together. Like I don't even think they're a dumb franchise. I just think they, they somewhere their compass got broken, and I don't know how you fix that. They must have built the original. Uh, what is it? Colquhoun Stadium on top of like a Native American burial ground or something like that. Just something like they're just cursed. cursed. Something yeah. cursed happened because they got a they got an alien at quarterback and they can't figure out like how to build an offense around him. It's, hurtful. Oh, it's kind of, I know that they're like in the division and we're not supposed to like them, but it is kind of heartbreaking at some point. So you just like look yes. at it as it's like from a human stance, you're just like, man, that sucks. Like trying to put ourselves like imagine if imagine if the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, which they do, but imagine they couldn't get anyone around him. Imagine if yes. they had two really good X wide receivers, basically. And they could never get on the field. Imagine your, if the offensive, offensive line coordinator is Joe Lombardi and yes. their defense is supposed to be better than it is. Everyone's older than they should be. The cap situation's not exactly where you want it to be. And the rookie contract window just closed. Just whoop, right there. Whoop, gone. Yep. I can't imagine the frustration that the Chargers fan has. Um, <laughs> with the, I had to do it. It was a layup. It was right there. I had to take it. Um, <laughs> uh, but going back to the Jaguars, I do think the pieces they've put around Trevor Lawrence have helped Trevor Lawrence develop. Right. Yeah. And that's obviously a part of, a big part of like what Doug Peterson's plan was in helping Trevor Lawrence develop. Now there are times like the first half of that game where Trevor Lawrence throws four interceptions. We're like, Oh Okay. That Trevor Lawrence can be the second half Trevor Lawrence. And he can also be the first half Trevor Lawrence. Like right. there's really no in between with Trevor Lawrence. I don't think um, solely chiefs on Twitter. He likes to, you know, dig on uh, Trevor Lawrence a little bit just because I think a lot of the hype of Trevor Lawrence coming out soured some people on him um, because as, as we mentioned, he was tapped from the minute he was at Clemson and now we're seeing him kind of become a good quarterback in this league, a yeah. quarterback that is now in the AFC field. You have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Trevor Lawrence. Those are your four quarterbacks left. That's the company that he yeah. was hyped to be in. And it's it is exciting to see this Jags team be where they are. I I like them personally as a team. I think there are some players that Chiefs fans might not like on the defensive side of the ball, mm -hmm. um, but offensively and just like the Jags coming off that game, uh, I've, I've I've been thinking about this a lot, and I don't know if a comeback win like that will help or hurt the Jaguars uh, in this game because they've been to Kansas City now. They know what the atmosphere at O'Head would be like. Granted, it was a week 10 game at mm -hmm. noon, I think. So mm -hmm. it's not the same atmosphere as AFC divisional round Arrowhead. And I and I'm trying I go back and forth between that's a very emotional win. That's a gutsy win. A lot Dougie P did not hold anything back. He emptied the clip on the Chargers on that one. So what's next, right? So like what's yeah. next? That kind of the same situation that we that, that the Chiefs kind of ran into when you talk about they emptied the clip against the Bills, and then they had to go play the AFC Championship game the next week. Right? They had an emotional win against the against the Bills, the 13 seconds, everything, and then they have to go play another game. So I'm curious to see how they respond to that. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting thought experiment that I that I also haven't spent any time on, in part because I think of the dude in charge. Like, if Doug yeah. Peterson is looking like ragged walking around the facilities this week. I'd be surprised and worried for the Jags both. Um, and ultimately, like, I just, I, I think there's a confidence there. This is new to a lot of the Jags. It's not new to Doug Peterson. He's He's been here and further and, and accomplished everything you can as the head coach of an organization. 
And, and the, the Trevor Lawrence thing is interesting. And it's funny for you to even mention what you did about uh, kind of feeling bad for like Justin Herbert and like the organization in a sort of macro way, because I, I do think the Trevor Lawrence hype fatigue, I, I think people come by it honestly, but I also think it is a close relative of my least favorite thing in all of media, at least in sports media, which is getting tired of greatness before it's done being great. Or in this case, being tired of greatness before it started to be great, perhaps, which again, I get because. If you're saying, oh, Trevor Lawrence has been way more hyped than he deserved, that can eventually wear on you. But that wasn't really the case in college. He kind of just was the dude that he was advertised to be. Um, and then Urban Meyer tried to ruin him. And then he got a real head coach. And here we are talking about Trevor Lawrence being amongst that that quartet on the AFC side in the playoffs. And so I, I don't have Trevor Lawrence fatigue, maybe because I don't watch a whole lot of Jags football. And, and maybe because I enjoy the fact that yeah, I mean, look, I know it would be easier for the Chiefs if every single other quarterback in the AFC were were Zach Wilson. But right. I almost said Nathan Peterman, but I felt like it was time to move past Nathan Peterman slander, and I think Zach Wilson's the guy for the job. But, like, I, as a football fan, want to see Patrick Mahomes versus Trevor Lawrence and, and Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen because that is, like, this this is the new era. I mean, where Dak Prescott is the oldest dude in the group amongst quarterbacks in the divisional round, and Patrick Mahomes is the oldest guy in the AFC, part of that freaks you out because you're like, wait a second, Patrick Mahomes isn't supposed to be the old man in a group yet. Like, where? What happened to Brady? Where's Where's Philip Rivers when you need him? Yep. But, but it, it what it what it does that other than give me a brief existential crisis is. It reminds me that we are set up for a totally new generation of NFL superstars here. And so many of these guys are already excellent, already early in their careers, already having playoff success. That's a whole other ball of wax. I mean, I don't yeah. I don't know how, how often you usually have to wait to see a young quarterback be great in a postseason run when it's not, you know, a young Tom Brady or a young Ben Roethlisberger being largely carried by their defense. You know, those are different ways to start your careers. We got a bunch of gunslingers out here right now. And I think that's awesome. It, it makes, it makes the NFL more interesting. It makes Sundays more fun. Uh, and it also will make the playoffs a little more stressful for, for fans of each of those teams. Then's the breaks. I'd rather have it that way than any other way. And the chiefs still have the best of that group, which has got to make you feel good. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas city. KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. So I think looking at this matchup at face value, you see Jaguars. It's pretty easy to go. This yeah. game's gonna be a cakewalk. Uh, sure. Chiefs beat the Jaguars earlier. They are out to a twenty nothing lead at halftime, and then they kind of you know did the old Andy Reid trope of letting your foot off the gas. They got it was like this twenty seven to seventeen is what that game ended up. Mm-hmm. Ended up being a little bit closer because I think Zay Jones or there was a touchdown call back for Christian Kirk for an illegal man downfield. There was a couple of things that could have happened here or there. Chiefs did turn the ball over three times in that game. So it's like, take what you will. This is a different Jaguars team than what we saw in week 10. Yep. Um, and I think that this game will be a little closer than what people uh, are anticipating. The Chiefs fans are anticipating because you see the Jaguars, you see the brand. Last time the Jaguars were good, they had Blake Bortles as their quarterback. Yeah. Um, so, and they were also wearing faded helmets. Um, yeah, which, those were really bad. We knew it at the time; those were bad. This isn't going to be something that we're ashamed by later. We all hated those. That's true. They were we bad at the play. time, and they've always been bad. And they will all—they will be in the Hall of Fame of bad uniforms. Those uh, Jaguars yeah. uniforms. Listen, somebody had to try it. Um, somebody had to try it. I think <laughs> the, the Falcons Jaguars have gradient uniforms now, which are bad, but not as bad. The the helmets were so—they were basically just striped in half. I mean, the the gradient mm-hmm. was not. It was basically non-existent. It's very strange choices being made in the Blake Portals era. <laughs> that team made it to an AFC Championship game. Yeah, yeah, they were in more like close, right? I mean, yeah, they that, were. That, that team was, was knocking on the door of a Super Bowl appearance with Blake Bortles at quarterback and those two-toned helmets. I mean, what a time to be alive! Their their uniforms now leaps and bounds better than what they were. Absolutely, um, incredibly. From that transition period, I will say, like, I still think that, like, the early 2000s were, like, the leaping Jaguars, their best logo, um, instead of, like, the uh, Jaguar had, like, the, what was it, David Garrard era Jaguars yes. uniforms? Yeah. Uh, those, those are the best. Um, I, I, I remember my Jags with Fred Taylor wearing oh. those helmets. And, like, the Maurice Jones-Drew era, they started to yeah. lose the plot again a little bit, I think. Those those long little squiggly lines they had down the front, like random piping. That was weird. Um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing MJD wore the the good ones for a little bit. Let me, let me, let me, I'll hop into the Google machine. I think he did. And I, cause he was there. I mean, that's who I first think of when I think of the Jacksonville Jaguars is Maurice Jones true. Um, and he's, you see him on TV all the time now. So it's hard to forget about that guy, but those were he definitely, did, definitely did get some work in the, uh, the good uniforms as as we're calling good. them here now. He deserves it. Um, Jaguars legend. You who thought turning it, tuning into this podcast that you'd get this much Jaguars content this quickly into this podcast about Um, the 2009 Jags. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, let's talk about this game a little bit. Um, Yeah, I guess we'll switch. Well, I guess we'll shift gears and guess we'll talk about the chiefs. Yeah. And Um, I got something for you, baby. I got something for you. You said, Hey, this Jags team isn't the same team. It was back when they met the first time through True, and you'd be correct. You know what else would be correct? The idea of the sentence, the fact. This isn't the same Chiefs team either. 
And I think that that is that for me is the exciting thing about this playoff run. One is that you have now he was there at the time because this is his uh, Veggie Tales hopping touchdown for Kadarius Tony, <laughs> but like I'm kind of expecting Kadarius Tony to have like 85 touches a game in the playoffs. I just don't yeah. know that Andy Reid's going to be able to help himself, and if he does, I won't be able to help myself because I love watching Kadarius Tony run around with a football in his hands. My God, that man moves like a video game cartoon character, and I love him. But that's not that's I, that was not what I planned on going towards. I just get excited when I talk about Kadarius Tony just moving in angles and at rates of speed that I can't comprehend. Moving like Neo, it's incredible. Mm. But the thing that I really want to believe in, and I think I might, the Chiefs' defense is definitely better, and it might be a lot better. And it might be a lot better in the exact spot it needed to get a lot better. I want to believe, X-Files style, I want to believe. But over the last few weeks of the regular season, you got, what, three games in a row where the defense was aggressive, flying to the football, team tackling, tackling well, physical. Nick Bolton is the guy that I make the example on this one all the time because I've been lumped into the Nick Bolton hater club, which is only a little bit true. Um, you and I, founding members, you famous, famous Nick Bolton hater, Mizzou I Tucker. I have um, a, I have a Mizzou Nick Bolton jersey, by the way. Signed Nick Bolton jersey. I'm waiting to get framed. But go ahead. Sorry. So you could, so you can drop it off a building or something. So you can, <laughs> so you can light it aflame. Uh, but like, the, the, I use Nick Bolton for this example because it frustrates me the most when he does it. Because when he plays well, he's a bowling ball full of knives. To go back to, I think, a way that Maurice Jones Drew was once described. When when Nick Bolton is five or six yards, you know, back of the line of scrimmage, usual spot, and there's a running play through a gap, and Nick Bolton stands there and maybe kind of moves his feet up a little bit, and then the running back hits him and he grabs on and falls backwards. It's like, okay, well, that was a gain of seven. That mm-hmm. if you really know what's coming, hard to do. I'm not saying Nick Bolton's job's easy. <laughs> but if you know what's coming and you make that hit at or near the line of scrimmage. You're talking about a win for the defense as opposed to a win for the offense. I use Nick Bolton because I've seen him do both things. He's one of the few guys on this team who has the capability to be a human wrecking ball, and I, I appreciate him for that immensely. Seeing the defense, and that's why I keep going back to like the aggressor of it all, seeing the defense be the aggressor at the point of contact, at swarming to receivers in space, at just not allowing yards after the catch anymore. The Chiefs just don't do that. At some point, they had a meeting and said, hey, what if we never allowed any yak? And they're like, well, I guess we can try that. And then we'll see what happens if they have to see Jamar Chase because he had a meeting with himself that said he was going to get every yak ever. <laughs> but I really do kind of buy into some of the things that have changed attitude-wise. Not They were playing worse teams, but I, I think that that could be a direct correlation to veterans who are new to the team, like Justin Reed, getting comfortable in the defense, and especially the rookies, the innumerable rookies, getting more comfortable and knowing not just what their job is, but you know how the defense works together and all those moving parts. We're seeing all of that while George Karloftis is in his best stretch of his rookie season. Yep. While Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark have quietly played really good football, all rotating around the sun of this universe, Chris Jones, a destroyer of worlds. If I was going to sit here and make my case for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, I guess I just did because it would be all of those things, but it would just be me telling you that it's their fix. And that's what they're going to be from here on out. 
And I don't know that that's true, but I know what I believe about the Chiefs offense, the weapons, Patrick Mahomes, all that good stuff. But defensively, they're an average defense right now, maybe a little above average. That's good enough. Mm -hmm. If they can be really good or just have three impact plays a game surrounding otherwise just being average. Not only would I take that, but Spag take that. Every coach in football would take that. Give me three big plays and no big negatives. Three big positive plays and one big negative play. We can live with that. And, and if the Chiefs get that from the defense, they should win the Super Bowl and they should certainly handle the Jags. There's a lot to unpack there that I want to get into. I'm sorry. Um, I talked so long. No, I'm, no. Your eyes glazed over. I realized I thought, oh, did he did he disconnect? No, it's just I've been talking for like 45 straight minutes. Does that does that track for you? You you are soaked in all of this same stuff. And I don't think that I'm an optimist for no reason. I, I really Correct. think my eyes have shown me something with this defense. Maybe I want to believe it, but I think I'm seeing it. I think you're hundred percent I think I think you're onto it. I and I think Craig Stout made this point when we were watching the Raiders. We had a watch party at the Holiday Distillery. We were watching that game. Craig leans over and says, this is the best game the safeties have played all year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that having that game come at that time is absolutely massive for this team. You can tell when these safeties don't play well. You can yes. very much. And that goes back to your yak conversation. A lot of the yak was coming from that safety position when they were coming up and filling and the tackles weren't being made. They've played a whole lot better. They've been better at tackling. Uh, Nick Bolton has been playing really well, not only in, I, I think the area with Nick Bolton that I think is so probably contentious, the most contentious point with Nick Bolton is his coverage, right? I don't think anyone yep. can deny the fact that he he's a tackle machine. He will rack up that every single year that Nick Bolton is wearing a, an NFL jersey. He is going to have a lot of tackles. That's what he does. Your Mike linebacker should have a lot of tackles. That's how it should go. Your leading tackle should not be Daniel Sorensen in your safety. That should not be your leading tackler. Um, your leading tackler should be your Mike linebacker. That's the role that Nick Bolton plays. I think a lot of the, the most contentious point is his side-to-side -side linear abilities in coverage and in tracking running backs, pursuit angles, stuff like that. I think that's that's what's been the most kind of disconnect there. I think we've had the conversation on Outside the Trenches just about tackles in general as a counting stat. It's like you can get more counting stats if you have more opportunities. It's the same for like RBIs in baseball, right? Yeah. A guy can have a lot of RBIs, but you want to look at his RBI chances. If he has a lot more RBI chances than like the next guy who's in second place and has a good amount of RBIs, you could probably say that that guy in second place might be a little bit better. And more I think that's why you, or whatever. Yeah. Yes, more productive, more efficient. And I think that's what, yeah. when looking at these metrics, I think efficiency metrics are, I like to, I should say, I shouldn't paint with a broad stroke. I like to look at efficiency metrics just to kind of get a better picture of what's actually happening and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I think hey, that's, here's the, here's an example that one guy who tweeted like uh, Tom Brady's stats over like well, a six year span of his career. And then Patrick Mahomes' stats at this point in his career. And everyone's like, Hey, these you're picking from different games. That's a really oversimplified version, but it's why that stuff matters. I yes. think I saw a stat along the lines of like quality tackles or like maybe I'm just thinking about defensive oh. wins that I've seen pop up in a few places. And I want quality tackles to end up being a, a stat where it's like tackles made by a player that resulted in a win for the defense on that rep. Nick Bolton mm. might have a great, he might be first in football on that. I have no idea, but I, I want that metric also. Cause yeah, a, a tackle six yards downfield or a tackle on a tackle six yards downfield on third and five is really different than a tackle at the line of scrimmage on first down. 
there's so much context that lacks in a lot of stats. Yeah. I think, you know, Josh, we've had this, we've had this conversation on multiple podcasts, just about don't be scared of analytics and the fact mm-hmm. that they add, they're not, they're not scary. They're just trying to add more context. And I think Trevor Sigma does a really good job of this. When he comes on Friday's episode, you'll get to hear Trevor Sigma tomorrow, but you, he does a really good job of adding kind of color to what you're seeing. Right. Mm. And I think that that's what, that's what these advanced numbers, these, I mean, PFF grades is not a good example, but PFF has a really good, I think, I think their advanced metrics are very good. The PFFs are. Um, and I think that there's some good value there to add color to what you're seeing, saying when you see Nick Bolton, you know, you have a lot of tackles and you want to see, okay, why, like, how is he making all these tackles? Where are these tackles coming from? There's answers to, to the why I always like, yeah. When something is happening, I always try to ask myself why. Like, why do I think that? Why is this happening? And try to find out answers that way. And I think I think those efficiency numbers do a really good job at trying to figure that out. But when I started that bit, that's not where I was going to go with that. Okay, but, um, good. Well, I enjoyed it here anyway. Yeah, I, it's it's a good conversation to have. I like to have that conversation. I don't. I think Nick Bolden is very much improved uh, this season. Um, I've been very impressed with his coverage. I believe he coverage graded out better than Willie Gay. I could be wrong by that, but at one point in the season, Willie Gay quietly has not had the exact season that a lot of us were hoping to see. I feel like Darius Harris was playing in place of him on sometimes. And might also sort of be Spags's. That's very judgy Spags's choice, but yeah, there's some weird linebacker groups been kind of weird. It is. I don't, I also side on this conversation. I think this kind of goes maybe more the college football route than anything, but I don't think coaches are purposely trying to play worse players. Right. I so agree I know, with you. Yes, <laughs> I know I, good take. I know that that might be controversial, but uh-huh. I, so like when you see Darius Harris out there again, ask why, why is Darius Harris out there? Sure. Is there a reason ex- existentially from what mm-hmm. you're seeing on the field, from what your prior knowledge is, like, you know, yeah, Willie Gay is a starter. Willie Gay should be out there all the time. But why isn't he out there for this drive that resulted in a touchdown uh, for the other team? There is a lot of things going on there. Uh, but again, to your point, Josh, about the aggressiveness of the defense, Spags has turned it up. Um, Chris Jones has turned it up. He has mm. been, he's so fun to watch play football. I love to watch him when he's on a run like this. He's going to get his first postseason sack. Going to book it right now. Go ahead and clip this. Um, he's going to get his first postseason Put sack. the prop up. Let's go. Boost it. Say Chris Jones playoffs over under. Uh, you know what? You want to make it one full sack. I'll do that. I'll do that. How about that? Not, not even a point five. I'll take the over on one. I've I've done some props on DraftKings with sacks, and they do the point two five. So like you're cheering for a half That's sack, fine. basically. That's fine. I listen. five. I'll take the over. If if they would put it at point one point two five, I think I'd take the over. I, I think he gets the entirety of the playoffs. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Chris Jones is playing at a level that we have not seen Chris Jones play at. Nate Taylor made a really great point. I'm sure he did on the Times Ours podcast as well as the uh, KCS and update because he can't seem to stop talking about Chris Jones. Um, which we've really we've become it's, the it's no longer that. Times Ours. It is now Times Chris Jones's. Yeah. I'm, He's been playing incredibly well. He should rightfully be the defensive player that he got. He didn't get one vote for uh, for the unanimous selection, which I believe was like some Chargers guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he had him at second team with Quinton Williams. Like his first and second team were definitely flipped. Like he definitely messed that up. He just made a he, mistake. <laughs> and he definitely, that was definitely a mess up. Uh, but <laughs> he has been incredible this year. 
Um, it's it's one of those things where you see that, as you mentioned, George Karloft is playing well at the right time. This yeah. defensive line just all together. And BJ's talked about this. I'm, I'm going to bring this up to you. You know, you you have Patrick Mahomes, and I'm sure people are tired of us talking about this, but I think this is so interesting. Every time we ask somebody, I, I want you to guess. I think you will guess. We, we ask, right. what stat I is more impressive? Okay. Which stat is more impressive? Patrick Mahomes setting the all-purpose yards record, right? Uh-huh. Patrick Mahomes, good Very football impressive. player. Very yeah. impressive. Uh, Drew Brees also didn't run the ball, so that's impressive on Drew Brees' part. Um, <laughs> and then the other stat is the Chiefs becoming second in the league in team sacks after being 29th in the league in team oh, sacks. yeah. The, and the second one is way more impressive because yes. of your expectations. It's completely about expectations. If you set the all-time all-purpose record, I would say that was more impressive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's Patrick Mahomes. Well, I kind of, sure. I kind of thought that he was probably going to put up something close to five thousand yards this year because <laughs> that's what he does. I didn't think it will be that high. Yeah. No, I do think. Uh, we started this conversation talking about how, you know, the Jags are a different team, but also the Chiefs. The big part of that is the defense, right? Like you, we, you've mentioned it, the aggressiveness, how the defensive line is playing, the linebackers are playing well, uh, the corners for being, you know, rookies are playing. 13 like years old, all of them. Insane. They're Still playing there. incredible. I like the new role that Jerry Sneed is in shadowing the best receiver. That's fun. It's yeah, fun wonder, to have a cornerback that can do that. If I had to guess, and this is something that uh, that uh, Dave Merritt talked about on uh, Wednesday, where he said, hey, we weren't going to ask Legereus to do that as a rookie. Like right now, we wouldn't ask Tritt to do that. I wonder if there's a guy to make that make sense for Snead against the Jags or not, but I love that it's in their bag now. It, it's definitely a possibility for him, and I like the Spags having possibilities. I think Spags will turn it up going to confuse trevor lawrence as much as possible i think we're going to see a lot of stuff i think you beat this offensive line with a lot of different stunts and stuff like that uh walker little's been playing really well uh for the um jaguars i liked him out of stanford i think he was a good prospect one of those guys i kind of had circled for the chiefs in the mid to late rounds uh, as a guy who could come in and maybe play a little bit of tackle be a little depth piece for him but as what darren canard's basically doing i think that's how the Chiefs probably would have used him this year. So I think he's in the best situation for himself. But they got they got a decent offensive line. I'm curious to see how the uh, Chiefs get after him. But I want to talk about the offensive side of the ball because yes, I'd love to. you mentioned Canarius, Tony. We've gone 35 minutes on this podcast and are just now starting to talk about the offense. Isn't that insane? Um, if people knew how long we were talking before we started recording, they would really start to realize that we might actually be friends. But I can't, I can't risk that. Edit this out, would you please? I can't risk that yeah. becoming public. We can't. We can't know. Uh, but the offense, completely yes. different. They didn't have McCall Harmon last time. They had Kadarius Tony on like three days, I think it was. Uh, enough time half to a week. still. I mean. <laughs> enough time to have a couple packages for him. Enough time for him to be able to go up and catch a back shoulder ball while adjusting his gloves. So, I mean, uh, enough time <laughs> for him to, to do all that stuff. But the way that they've been able yeah. to get Kadarius Tony involved in this offense, the Jerick McKinnon wrinkle in this offense now is interesting. Doesn't look like McCole Harmon's going to play um, after having, I don't know if it's yet another setback or if this is still the same setback of what he what he did. Um, but the whole McCole Harmon situation, let's talk about that, Josh. Let's talk about that first. Sure. Yeah. The whole McCole Harmon situation is very interesting. I, I would love to know a little bit more about it, right? Because he went on the injured reserve with a abdominal illness, I believe is what they first called it. Then they're like, oh no, it's just, it's just an abdominal issue. And then it's now it's pelvis, I think is the, yeah. the designation it that we is. got at the beginning of this yeah. week, um, which 
Twitter doctors quick to point out. They were very quick to point out that your abdominal muscles are connected to your pelvis. Um, I didn't know that. I'll be honest. Um, so good to know. But I'm curious, like there's been sports hernia thrown out there. There's been uh, appendicitis with an appendectomy involved into it. We don't really know what's going on with McCole Hardman and him. them activating him. I think also is a little interesting too, because Very. they could have also not activated him and brought somebody else up for that roster spot um, in the playoffs. So what are your thoughts on McCole Hardman situation and two parter? Does it impact the Chiefs offense all that much? Um, on what happened, I wish I had a good answer for you because as you laid out the timeline there, it's just all been very strange. He kind of disappeared and then was suddenly on IR. It was very weird. Some just questions about like what happened to that point. I don't, I'm not saying like, I'm not hiding anything that I know. I'm not trying to sound nefarious on purpose. It's like, what? Okay, well, how did he end up on injured reserve? And then it's, hey, when's he coming back? And hey, open the practice window. He's on his way back. And then, hey, he's no longer practicing, but we got to activate him or else he goes back to the IR permanently. So now he's on the active roster and now it's a pelvis. I have no idea. I, I don't know if it was a setback on a setback, if it was some sort of, I, I can't, I don't know if illness ever came up as an official term or whatever, but again, so however it starts, wherever it got to now, it's obviously not a, a linear, you know, point A to point B thing because the Chiefs have acted in a way that made that obvious. And Andy Reid has consistently come to the podium and just been like, he's communicated well with us. He is working hard. He wants to be back really badly. And we're trying to get him there. And then it's, well, it just wasn't responding the way we wanted it to be. And, and we, we didn't see what we needed to see. All that stuff sucks. I, I hate even like the day-to-day -day jokes we make that date back to Eric Berry being quote literally day-to-day -day, like still bothers me because it's just the least satisfying way for a player to disappear off your radar. Or Hardman maybe end his Chiefs career. So all of that is frustrating and um, I just wish him the best and hope that he returns because I, I've got a, a, a take that has evolved on McCole Hardman quite a bit. Right before he got hurt, we on the zone did a little did a little round of fact or fiction, and I made everybody rank or, or tell me who the third most important weapon on the Chiefs offense was. I think I might have said pass catcher. Um, and at that point it wasn't yet Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> but we we had we had Kelsey and Juju as your one, two, and we all agreed that McCole Hardman was third, which is such a far cry from where we would have started at the beginning of the year. I thought it was a little bit of a surprise at the time. It's why I asked the question, but we were all just kind of on that same page because so much of the offense involved him, even if it was just his motion in the backfield and the threats he could put on defenses at different places, even when he wasn't getting the ball. So in that moment in time, I would have been extremely worried about where the Chiefs stand now. I think the offense is more one-dimensional, not one-dimensional, but it's less dimensional when it's Sky Moore running those sweeps. It's less dimensional when it's Justin Watson. Yeah. And McCole Hardman is actually a dynamic football player, which you can never have enough of. Trading for Kadarius Tony and him looking as good as he has and him potentially being able to step in that role for the playoffs has lessened my concern quite a bit. As I've previously discussed how much I've enjoyed his brief time in Kansas City so far. But also like a hallmark of Andy Reid offenses is that it takes you like 
half your career to figure it out as a wide receiver right. to, to know all, to know what you're supposed to do and really more importantly like to know what you're reading from the defense and how that impacts what you're supposed to do off of that it's not just like okay i need to remember that if i get if i hear a nine it's a go route it's like <laughs> no it's not just that it's it's all of those intricacies and hardman looked like a guy who had done that he, he looked like he had largely put it together um i think there's a misconnection with mahomes early on that probably felt pretty familiar to a lot of people but it, it felt like that that corner was being turned so to speak and then for him to just kind of disappear from the offense is is frustrating it's a bummer i think it could matter in the playoffs if the offense gets congested again but i think the role that Jarek mckinnon has has found since about hardman's injury and tony's ability to be everything he has been if tony gets hurt Total, you got to have me back on again, and I'll be a lot more nervous sounding. Um, in general, I think it is a loss and it is a huge bummer. I think they'll be okay, but I I was really excited to be excited about the contract year for for Nicole Hardman, and that mm. opportunity just is gone right now. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. I agree. Looking at his stats here, it looks like he played in eight games uh, this right. season. 25 receptions for 297 yards, averaging um, 11 per catch. Um, he was having a decent year in terms of, I think he had four touchdowns too, so a little bit. Uh, he, was, he was scoring. He was a red zone threat. Um, as, as we, as you mentioned, like he was, you started looking at this chiefs team and you're like, yeah, he probably is number three with the, through the first eight weeks of the season. You were looking at it. You're like, oh, he's probably the third guy you're going to go to in the, in the, in the red zone. And we saw the Chiefs struggle a little bit in the red zone when they didn't have Kadarius Tony, when they didn't have McCall Harmon. I think what I was looking forward to was seeing those guys both on the field at the same time. Absolutely. Um, I think that was the most exciting thing. Like, what can they do with two guys that are incredible when they get the ball in space? Like, yeah. Uh, I know that some people like to call McCool Hardman a gadget player. Uh, they like to say that he can't can't do so many things, can't do so many things. But Andy Reid has been really good with getting the players the ball in positions that they are good at. Right? Yep. Um, he he's not gonna give. <laughs> he's not gonna, you know, send McCool Hardman on a double breaking route that goes across the middle of the field. That's not McCool Hardman. You know, he's gonna do the best what he can do with McCool Hardman. Just to see what him and Kadarius Tony could do at the same time was so exciting. Doesn't sound like we're gonna see that, but I still I don't think I'm worried about how this offense is going to perform in the playoffs, especially you know what they showed against the Raiders. The Raiders didn't have anything to play for, right? The Raiders didn't have a whole lot going for them. They got merry go round. I think uh, Kent called it the Cadarcel. I don't know if you heard that one. I didn't. That's great. He called it the Cadarcel on the spot, which so I hate to give Kent credit, but that yeah, was, that's was a pretty good one. That, but, pretty know, good one. Uh, Probably better than snow globe, but reindeer personnel is very solid. Um, also, the the formation with uh, Colin Saunders calling it Leatherneck is 
perfect because he went, <laughs> he went to school at Western Illinois, which are the Leathernecks. Um, so it's just so so good. The attention to detail there is is incredible. But I'm not doubting the Chiefs' offense at all when it comes, especially Andy Reid yeah. off of a bye week. You know, Doug Peterson's going to throw out all the stops on the offensive side of the ball. He started the game. He started the game in week 10 with an onside kick. So, I mean, you know what we are getting into. There's a familiarity there, which I think benefits the chiefs more than it benefits the Jaguars. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. Just the way the coaching staff is everything like that. But the offense um, would love to see um, Juju get involved a little bit more than he did against in, in recent weeks. I don't know if he's, hasn't really had a had a game in in the past where you're like oh wow there's juju because i think again i think defenses are taking juju away a little bit um because that's the receiver you can take away um then you're gonna die by travis down in a minute right i think it's been six weeks um he hasn't he hasn't caught a touchdown which because jared mckinnon has caught 50 over this span so juju and kelsey haven't seen the end zone much Right. You you were getting on DraftKings there for a little bit though. I will say like mid season and like Travis Kelsey was like minus three hundred to score a touchdown. Yeah. Like you weren't getting any value in terms of any time touchdown score with Travis Kelsey. He was usually a lock to score a touchdown, but now haven't scored since uh week or well in six weeks. Um, I don't want to do the math right now. Too much but, math. Um, what games, what math. weeks? There's a bye week now. I don't like it. I uh, I'm looking up Juju's stats right now. He hasn't scored a touchdown since the Broncos on December 11th. That was in Denver. Um, but like since then, 88 yards against the Texans, 10 catches, 88 yards. I mean, he did have a fumble in that game, but that was also weird. That remember they reviewed. Forward yes, progress that was in that the game. forward progress fumble that apparently can legally happen now because they changed the rules without telling us who have some trauma to sort through from that. Role. <laughs> right. But you're, then you're looking at Christmas Eve, three catches against the Seahawks, uh, New Year's Day, two catches against the Broncos and then two catches against the Raiders. He's only since he got 10 targets or 10 catches against the uh, the Texans. He's only collected uh, three, four, five, six, seven catches since yeah. then so i that might be a schematic thing it might be the chiefs obviously jerick mckinnon has been on, on an incredible tear that i think at the beginning of the season if you would have told me jerick mckinnon would have as many touchdowns as he did i would have said well what happened to literally every running back on every, the roster every every player on the roster is just <laughs> right, him and mahomes right. out there just playing with nine linemen uh, the, the Raiders game is funny because I, I think in a lot of ways that's like a proof of concept for how smooth things can look and how good the offense can be and um, obviously mm-hmm. some defensive success, but the stat lines from those game that from that game is obscene <laughs> because we like it was a quiet day for Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith Schuster, who were second and third on the team in receiving with 38 and 35 yards respectively, behind only Justin Watson's one for 67. Yep. Of what first pass of the game, right? Uh, second. Oh, first pass, yes. Second play of the game, yes. I I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I guess. Right. It, and, and look, I I literally when I started doing the post game show, like refresh the box score a couple of times. Like, I'm not looking at the box score during the games. I'm not a weirdo, right. but I like to have the numbers up. You know, do the post game show. And so I was I was refreshing that when I saw Mahomes listed with 202 passing yards because like, oh, this must not updated in a while. And I refreshed it; it was still there. And then I looked over and saw Jarrett Stidham had been sacked six times. I was like, oh, that happened. So this must be up to date. 202 passing yards for Patrick Mahomes. So that game is like statistically weird for a lot of reasons, but in some ways it's, it's kind of the proof of concept for the post Tyreek Hill version of this offense where it's, you just might have a day where Juju only gets two targets that can, that can happen, but I'm, I'm hoping that there is a, 
uh, a shift into high gear come Saturday where we're starting to see some more of the explosive stuff that this offense is famous for. I'd assume so. Excited to see it, Josh. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. Before I let you go, mm. DraftKings spread eight and a half points. What are you feeling? What are you feeling? I'm on that always one? wrong when I do this, but I, I think uh, this is so against my recent tendencies, which is again, exactly how I'd get in trouble. But I, I think I'd give the points. I, I think the chiefs, the version of the chiefs that we have last seen wins this game by double digits. And I don't, I don't think the Jags are like some frauds. I, but I think you talked about it some earlier. I, I trust Doug Peterson to get like the mood of that locker room evened out. But they made the playoffs. They've basically been playing playoff football for like two months, and they're going to come to Kansas City with a playoff win already checked off. They're going to sell all their season tickets next year. That fan base should be excited about what they've built. Oh yeah. I just think the Chiefs are better kind of across the board, um, which is to not to say that they couldn't lose this game. You can clip this on Sunday when the Chiefs lose 31 to 28 or whatever because they had three turnovers and something sputtered somewhere. We know that's within the Chiefs' character. I, far be it for me to tell you to put the house on the Chiefs versus an AFC South team. I would never tell you to do that. But I think they they win this game in a relatively convincing fashion. Interesting stat here. The Jaguars have covered the spread in five of the last six games. Um, Every Everything about my brain wants to just take those points because it's a lot of points in playoff games. It's a ton of points in just an NFL game period. Um, regardless of playoffs, you don't see lines uh, this big. I think it's the biggest uh, spread of the week. It, it should be. It should be the biggest spread. On paper, I think it's, uh, it's the most, uh, yeah. The Eagles-Giants is seven and a half in favor of the Eagles. Do you um, want my uh, my DraftKings um, absolutely don't take this advice uh, lock of the week? I don't. I couldn't think of a better name for it. So yeah, lay, um, on, me. lay it on me. On DraftKings, uh, when I placed this bet, this was earlier. Jarek McKinnon, thirty four and a half receiving yards. I think that might be dragged down a little bit by him basically not being involved against the Raiders. Um, we've already made our feelings about the Raiders game pretty clear. That might be one or two receptions for Jarek McKinnon. So I, uh, I like that one. I almost like the over on Noah Gray, but I almost always take the Noah Gray overs when I remember to do it, and it pretty, pretty much yeah. always hits. So they never give him very high totals. Um, another fun one too. If you are uh, the live betting type, and the Chiefs do get the ball first, or whenever the Chiefs do have the ball, uh, the Chiefs have scored the first touchdown of each of their last six home games. Um, so. Bet on that They're, now, and you're just betting on a stop and a score. I, that seems within the realm yeah. of possibility, especially if the yeah. Jags do something weird, maybe go for it on fourth down around midfield or something like that. I don't, I don't mind that at all. Chiefs have also won ten of their last eleven games um, on a little bit of a little bit of a run here, heading into the playoffs. So funny um, because so many of those games felt like we might as well have been doing post game loss shows. It's like <laughs> no, they just needed overtime to beat the Texans. Josh, I appreciate you hopping on here, uh, talking a little Chiefs, little Jags, kind of cathartic. Get all the we we haven't talked about a football game in a while. It's been we've, we've we've had to build up to it, but I'm glad that we got to talk about a football game. It was just good to say football words in a microphone with you again, Tucker. Uh, thank you for for having me back here again. And if you invite Seth back on before me next time, I want to know the count so I can make sure that I stay ahead of him at something in life. He's already got age and number of children locked up I'm not going to challenge him in either of those so if i could just get kcsn appearances over seth i, I think I'd, I'd pretty much be even 
He probably has professions over you too. He's got a little. He's yeah. got more professions than you do. He's probably true. He's built up a solid lead in a lot of those things. Uh, but uh, Josh, he had like can... a forty-year head start. So I mean, <laughs> you can find Josh's work, Times Arts Podcast, on the Athletic with Nate Taylor, Seth Kaiser. I thought I was going to flip their names in my head. Sometimes I, I do that. I did. Um, Me too. But you can find him also on Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City. If you are driving around on your car, 810 a.m. Um, even if you're in your car, if you're on your car, you're like Green oh, Goblin yeah. in it. That's even yeah. cooler. But I mean, if you have any relationship to a terrestrial radio from the hours of uh, 10 to 2, might just catch these pipes. <laughs> Check them out. Uh, Josh, once again, you are the man. We'll make sure that you uh, stay ahead of, of Seth. And tomorrow, uh, it was one of my favorite episodes always of every week. Trevor Sikama joins BJ Kessel. They're going to talk about three key matchups leading into this game. Uh, last week's episode, if you haven't caught it, uh, Trevor Sikama talks about some of his three favorite stats from the Chiefs season, just kind of looking at some advanced metrics, some wild stats about Patrick Mahomes because he's insane. Uh, but make sure you go check that out. Uh, check out tomorrow's episode. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of this podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe. All that good stuff. Uh, leave a five-star rating interview if you do feel so inclined. And I will catch you guys next week from Vegas. We'll be in Vegas. We'll be having an episode uh, of KCS, an update from Vegas. So I'm super excited for that. So until then, I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.